Hey everyone, before we get into this episode, just wanted to give you a little heads up that the audio is a little offset. This was our first time recording in person, which is very exciting, and we were also doing it on Zoom, and long story short, there's going to be some echoes and some uh, out-of-sync moments just because of the way that we recorded this, so we appreciate your patience with this episode because uh, we're, we're going to put it up anyway, even with flaws and all. It's just a good episode. There's a lot of really awesome stuff shared on here, so enjoy. Have you ever wondered why it is that we do what we do and who we do it with? Then this is a podcast for you, an exploration of human beings through systemic psychology and Unani biotypes with Rodrigo Garcia Plates, Ross Everett, and Brian McElhaney. This is Biotypical. Welcome everybody to the first in-person Biotypical recording session. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that Brian and I have sometimes been in the same city, but Rodrigo and I have never been in the same city. And for the first time ever, we are in the same location. We are all COVID tested and we're here with an incredibly special guest. I can't think of a better person to be here with us today than Shaman Durek who <laughs> has been doing clubhouse events with us. He's been the love affair between him and Rodrigo. This brotherhood of sanguineness has been one that people have been watching through <laughs> Shaman Dirk's podcast. And now we get to bring it all together to come together in this beautiful space to, to hang out uh, as friends and, and discuss whatever kind of rolls off the top of our heads as they come through. And, and of course, thank you to our patrons who are visiting with us live on Zoom. <laughs> and they are all freaking out that Shaman Durek is here, which is fantastic. Shaman Durek, thank you for, for uh, being here with us. Today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, of course. And we've also got Tanya. Hi, Tanya. We've got to shout out Tanya. <laughs> Tanya is the one that introduced me to Shaman Durek's work. Uh, Tanya and I have been friends for quite some time, and uh, she's just taken off in her own right as the wunder publicist, as we like to say. Um, and your eyebrows look great. Wow. You did something to your eyebrows, didn't you? No. No? You didn't Gen Z out your eyebrows? <laughs> My eyebrows right. wake up like that. Yeah. <laughs> and look at those fingernails. Look at her fingernails. I'm just going to spend an hour oh complimenting Tanya. <laughs> and we also get to say about Shaman Durek's book, which I've had the pleasure of reading, is called Spirit Hacking. And it's a bestseller on Amazon. It's um, it's bestseller worldwide. Bestseller nice. worldwide. Yeah. This book... Um, if you have any fear of the future, I think you should read this book. I think this this book is like a how-to guide of, of calming the soul. Throughout it, you can see little spirit hacks about what you can do to kind of cleanse yourself. And I think like, I kind of, we should just dive in with Shaman Durek and yeah. be like, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? There's so much of it in the book as well, but you weren't, you weren't known to yourself as a shaman when you were born. You had little glimpses of it, yes, but but you had a, quite a journey coming into just being the shaman Durek that is sitting here with us today. I mean, I was chosen in my family when I was young to be the next lion shaman because I had all the powers and the gifts and the abilities to see and witness and experience. However, the journey unto it was difficult because my father walked away from shamanism to go into, you know, wanting to fit into normal day society. 
And so you had one side of my family that was still the shamanic side of the family that kept very strong to our roots. And then the other side of the family became more religious. They went into, uh, first it was, because when, when African uh, shamanism came over to the States, uh, the practice of shamanism was not acknowledged because of the fact that it was considered uh, to be evil. So what, what a lot of um, African cultures had to do um, was to move it into hiding it in Catholicism. So it was very easy transition for my family to move away from the shamanic aspect of our African roots, even though they still followed it to the point of how they made me develop myself and grow from everything from like my dad writing my name on um writing his name on my shirts to make sure that no one would bring clothes that i would take clothes from other people's homes i wasn't allowed to visit people's houses uh because he was afraid someone would put a, a spell or a curse on me um, i wasn't allowed to eat at other people's dinner tables because he thought someone would poison me so there was all these um things that he stuck to like the way that people would come to our house the way that they would act in our house um but at the same time time they moved away and went to Catholicism and then my grandfather decided that he was going to move it from Catholicism into Seven-day Adventist and so it was a mixture of you know Seven-day Adventist from my grandfather's side but then from my aunt and my uncle's side it was the shamanic side of staying true to who we are and our roots and so growing up as a kid um, you know having these abilities uh being in kindergarten being in, in elementary school and knowing what everyone is up to seeing what people are doing uh knowing when people are lying to me and not feeling safe in a world that tells you i should be safe however they said there's a lot of echo um there's gonna be a lot of echo for for you guys uh no 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 it's not because of that it's because we're in the same room oh. and yeah um, you know what I can do? I'm going to mute me on here so that their echo goes away and you can keep talking. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the best way to do it, actually. Uh, and so basically, you know, from my perspective of witnessing this world as a kid was that this world is filled with lies, that people live in a world where they're not allowed to be who they really are. They have to live in a world where they're dictated to fit into what someone else wants in order to be loved, in order to be seen, in order to be valued. And for me, that was very intense information to take on as a young age when I was watching so many people have all these gifts and powers and never being able to tap into it because it wasn't say, people weren't saying to them, it's okay for you to have this feeling that comes to you. Like, I remember there was this girl in school who could always feel things. Like, I feel this, and she'd say, I feel that. I go, you feel things. I go, you understand, like, your feelings are, are moving. They're, and it's, it's like liquid, it's energy that moves and it picks up on all these frequencies and then it brings it back to you. And that's why you're able to interpret that. But you can't, you know, as a kid, when you say this to another kid and then they go and tell their parents that I said this. And you were saying this? As a as a kid, oh, it's they'll pick me up from that microphone. You sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, like if they can't hear me at this point, that's a very good microphone. They'll hear me. <laughs> it's just not going to be the best quality for the Zoomers in this one. Okay, I've made that concession. I mean, that mic is that far away from you. It's fine. Okay, I'm gonna put it they, here actually to they, make it a little bit closer. It's kind of like moving, <laughs> sharing the yeah. Sharing if you lot. want to be on mute control for me, by the way, I'm leaving all of this in the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great. I yeah. Only to two. yeah, yeah. I, I used to speak focus. like that. Oh, and not great. only did I speak like that, but I also used to perceive what my teachers were up to. I could tell when someone was lying to me. I could see how their body would be different. 
and I started, I, and I, people thought I was autistic. They thought something was wrong with me. So they sent me to a speech impediment school because I had, I, I mean, I have dyslexia still. Mm. Um, I, I could, I sometimes would write backwards, you know, so I couldn't. Were um, they runes or were you actually writing backwards? Like I would write backwards. Okay. And literally they thought this kid has problems. And my dad was like, no, he doesn't. And, but they kept forcing my dad to be like, well, you need to have him checked out. And you, cause my, I didn't speak a lot. And when I did speak, I spoke. But when I didn't speak, I would be quiet the whole time and just staring at everybody. And so I went through all those programs. And at the end of those programs, I found out that um, I'm just a different type of sensitivity than other people. You know, and I realized that at that point, how human beings are operating is completely in an aggressive way against themselves. And I used to tell my dad, everyone is, is lying, dad. This world is filled with lies. And he would be like, this world is what it is. And we have to, you have to do what you have to do in this world. So it was, a, it was a challenge and having those type of powers as well, like telling my teacher why she's getting mad at us in class because you were arguing with your husband last night about the mortgage. You know? <laughs> um, I, I have a story just like that, not with that level of precision, but oh my God, this is why we like each other so much. My story is so similar. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so that's how I was as a kid. And, I, and, and my powers got stronger every year. So it would be like, you know, first it would be like, I could see colors. Then it was like hearing voices. Then it was like feeling things. And then it was like seeing words popping up around people, telling me about their, like what they're actually thinking and feeling inside. Then it became about seeing other people connected to those people, like their ancestors. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And then I started seeing the places where they're not being honest with themselves. And every time they self-betray themselves, what they look like, you know, and it just grew. And after a while, my family realized that I had to train. I had my, my, my aunt and my uncles, they were just like, you tell my dad, you can't, you can't, he, he, grandmothers talked about him. You can't take him away from who he is. You have to let him so be. So you were kind of like spoken about in your family before you arrived. Before I was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, they were like, there will one day come a, a, a child, child that is that going is to be. Oh, oh, I love prophecies. <laughs> this, this is, is right, right up my alley. I had a lot of prophecies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like yeah, my yeah. first prophecy, my family was, was um, my, my great grandmother told my mom that one day, like he told my dad when he was, when he was young, uh -huh. that one day you're going to have a son and he's going to have immense love for humanity and he's going to take all the ancestral powers and he's going to bring it into the world to return people's power back to them. And it's going to be a difficult situation and you're going to have to decide what, where do you stand with that? You know, and my dad was a kid when he heard that. Then I had a prophecy that came to me from my mom when I was 14 years old, that one day you're going to be a part of the royal family and you're going to be, you and this princess from Norway is going to change the world. Oh, so you knew this already before you met your fiance. Not my fiance yet. It will be at one point soon. I'm also bad with terminologies. I'm like, you're right. Everyone thinks we're married because they keep writing it in the press, but no. Yeah, like I'm like, there's a People article that's yeah. Everyone thinks I'm married. There's not a single person that's like, oh, his wife. Yeah, they always like your wife. When can you bring? Can you bring your wife to this gala? I'm like, we're not married yet. You would see it all over the press. Like the next world person is coming in the royal family, you know, but. But, but nonetheless, like my mom saw when I was 14 yeah, yeah. years old, she said the Viking elders came to her. So my mom is, um, is Norwegian and West Indian. And she goes, the Viking elders came to her and told her, they spoke to her from the gates of a hall. And she, she made an offering and she asked, they said, we have a certain message for you. Um, and they gave her a message. They said that 
you that the spirits have decided from the day that I was born to be betrothed to Princess Marta of Norway. But they didn't know that she just said the princess of Norway. Now I know it's Princess Marta because she was the only princess in Norway. Um, and, and so my mom was like, so you're going to be a part of the royal family. And the Vikings said that because of your love and your power and what you're capable of, two of you coming together, because you're bringing the African and you're bringing the, 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 the Nordic. And this is something I was actually talking to my girlfriend about yesterday was that when, when, when white people and black people come together, there's a whole dynamic energy that takes place. And like there was a mention that where Harry made a comment the other a time about saying something about recently about the, the royal families like being in the zoo and being like in the Truman Show. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were appalled by that. And they were like, couldn't believe they're in Europe. They're like, how could he say something like that about the royal family and da da da. And I said, well, you don't understand. He's with a black woman. So when you're, when you, when you come into society, uh, black culture, black culture, we're raised as children to recognize oppression. Mm -hmm. We're told that we have to spend our whole life uh, negotiating our existence. Mm -hmm. Everything we do, if it goes to a friend's house or if we are out in public or what we wear, everything has to be that we have a right to exist. Mm -hmm. So we are, anytime we see oppression or suppression or anything that is limiting or holding down a human being, we won't stand for it because that's how we were raised. Whereas in white culture, you were taught to follow the rules and go along with what is being said yeah. and don't question it. So that's the reason why Dr. Martin Luther King said that the worst type of person is not the person who's racist in your face, it's the person who does nothing and they know something's wrong. They say evil triumphs when good men do nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, and so in, 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 uh, so when you see uh, a person who's white come together with a black person, that black person starts educating that white person on yeah. all the places where they've been suppressing and limiting themselves in their life. And then that white person becomes so strong that they're like, oh no, what? Mm -hmm. And they start, it, so it builds a certain level of like, I don't need to do that anymore. Right. And so that's why they want to keep us separated, because if white people and black people don't have any issues with each other anymore and mm -hmm. we start loving on each other, we are going to create a dynamic force of power that the system, the matrix will not be able to stop. So the key element is division, 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 keep everyone hating each other, keep people hating themselves. And so, you know, so for me, like coming into that situation with my girlfriend, I've been showing her like, babe, that's racist. This is what they're really saying to you. That's what they're really doing. This is what this person's really doing. And she's like, oh my goodness. So of course, Harry's gonna make a statement like that mm -hmm. because Megan's probably sitting in the bedroom at night going like, um, do you even know what they just said to you? Yeah. Do, you, do, do, you <laughs> do you see what's going on here? Do you know why they made that comment? You know, and he's like probably having like, like, like brain gasms of, 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 of aha moments, what I would call aha ha moments, because that's what happens. So, so when you grow up in shamanism in African culture, which is different from a lot of the things that I see in the Western world, we're taught to have what we call deep devotion. Our way of doing things is always passionate. It's deep, even in Latin culture, we're passionate, we're deep. We're, we're, we bring sexual energy, sensual energy. We're, we're, we're very gritted and, 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 like, and like rubbed it all into our skin and like it becomes a part of you. So, you know, as a kid, when you're, when you're developing, my father knew that if I was gonna step into that place of shamanism, he didn't want me to give up religion. So he was like, you can do it but you have to study religion. So it was like that kind of dynamic. Mm -hmm.
I have a question. With the, all the gifts that you have and the ways that you can like kind of feel people and you've been developing that for so long, when you're like in a group of people, is that really overwhelming for you? Do you kind of just feel everyone all at once? Or do you have a way, a way to, to kind of like, like turn it off when you don't, don't want to deal with it? Or is it just kind of like always a free-flowing free thing where you just like have to deal with it? Like, how do you manage that? When I was young, I used to have meltdowns. Yeah. Um, I couldn't go on subways, buses, right. any public place where there was a lot of people. I used to keel over and fall on the floor wow. because it was in, in a major attack to my system. Mm -hmm. I would sense all people's emotions all at once. It was like a floodgate of emotions. And I, for years, had to really learn how to sit in dark spaces and practice fine-tuning frequencies. So I used to go into rooms or into small spaces where I felt like cramped and practice the art of expanding my energy beyond the boundaries of what other people are feeling to the point where human consciousness and intellect and the static energy that I feel, would I would move so far away from it that I was able to take one piece of it and bring it with me and then sit with it, feel it, know what it feels like and then put it back into it then take another piece of that mm -hmm. so it could be an emotion it could be a thought that someone's holding or anything and i learned how to to splice through all these different frequencies and see them individually but it took years of training to do that and it took a lot of time of being alone and in quiet spaces and in dark spaces where i wasn't getting stimulized so i used to do a lot of blind i would spend hours blindfolding myself and practicing the art of separating frequencies so i can understand why I'm feeling this and what this is and is it mine or does it belong to someone else? Is it coming from a spirit from another dimension? Is it coming from the tree that's outside my window? Where is the transmission coming from? Well, the only way I could figure that out was to learn how to move through those energies and those frequencies. But in the beginning, it was it was a train wreck. I mean, I got caught up in drugs. I tried to, 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 to numb it out with crystal meth, with cocaine. I tried to drink. I was an alcoholic. Um, and my family knew what was going on because most people don't know that people who do drugs are alcoholics is because they have what are called acute empathy. They have the ability to sense frequencies at mass loads where they can feel what someone's feeling on another part of the world. That causes a lot of difficulty when you are not having the coping mechanisms to handle that level of input and, and information coming in, especially if you are taking it into your body and you think it's your own feeling. So all of a sudden you walk into a place and you start seeing you know, yourself blowing things up and bombs are going off in your head and you're thinking, why am I thinking these dark thoughts? When you realize it's not your thought, you're picking up on a thought of someone in another country who's feeling those thoughts and you just happen to grab it and pull it in. But through the ability to understand empathic energy and practicing being in dark places and isolation, I'm putting myself in uncomfortable positions. Like, for instance, like one of the things I used to do is get this thing where you hang upside down oh, yeah. and I would practice meditating with my head being upside down like Odin. So I could feel what Odin felt when he reached into those rooms and got mm. the, the Yurus and the uh, and the um, the Feyu and all the different runes that you know he saw and the combination of structures. I feel I felt like oh, if I put myself in some kind of weird position, or sometimes I would tie myself up and like and like get myself in some weird position and see if I can like start accessing my powers of feeling and connecting into those feelings, and it gave me. Um, 
an amazing capability because it strengthened me. Mm. So now I can go into any situation. I can be in a room of a hundred people. And I know what's going on with every person. I just go through all their files really quickly. Oh, okay. And yeah, it doesn't bother me anymore. But it takes time. I can imagine. It's like the most sanguine shamanic approach. I'm going to be I'm going to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I haven't said anything. I'm like, it's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about addiction. That's where often people have this acute empathy. It really shows, like, because we treat people with addiction like they have a problem. And yeah. really what they have is a superpower just kind of used incorrectly. And it's like, if, we can even frame that. Even you know? in systemic psychology, we actually see it as a symptom of the system needing something and not being able to process it. Mm. I have a theory. I'm so happy you said systemic psychology because I got <laughs> like a, a blip and I was like, okay, well, I want to call this episode karma, like karma versus systemic psychology. You're always thinking of the title. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I've got my analyzing brain, my marketing side. It's, it's sometimes hard to turn off, but um, I wear a lot of hats. You know? <laughs> but I'm thinking about this because I, as I've been learning more about systemic psychology through Rodrigo, I've always kind of been like, like I have a belief that we choose the body and the journey that we're going to go on kind of before we come and then we, we incarnate. And but how do we match up the, the karmic journey with the science and the physics and the psychology of the actual human, human experience. experience? And the more, and the that, more I've that I've learned about, about systemic, systemic psychology, psychology, I'm like, oh, like, oh, like it's a karma, it's a karma program. program. It's going to be like, okay, I'm going to choose a mom that's going to be withholding or passive aggressive, which is in turn going to manipulate my psychology in a certain way so that I actually have to overcome the lessons that I came here to learn. So, so I'm planting, planting seeds all over the place. But we have a different way of looking at that shamanic thing. What? We don't what? believe in karma. Really? really? Yeah. Oh, please, oh, please, please, please tell, tell me. me. So we don't believe that you came here to learn anything. We believe that you already knew everything and that you came here to remember. And the process of your choice of if you're going to be male or female, or if you're in what geographical location you were going to be born in, and um, what was the certain behavior systemically created within the structure of your family based on uh, what they were going to pass down through epigenetics or how it was going to present itself. The way we look at it in shamanism is that you've come here to participate in removing a certain energy through alchemy into another form. So I came here, I was abused as a child. I was molested. I've been raped. I've had um, all, I've been called every name from N word to you name it in the book, which was all beautiful experiences because that's what I chose to come in and mm -hmm. transmute that frequency for the planet. I know I'm an eternal being. This is just me coming in and going, oh, wait, pain, suffering, this thing. Oh, well, I'm eternal. Let me take a little bit of that. And let me take a little bit of that and take a little bit of that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these energies and I'm going to play with them until I understand them so good. If it means it takes me five lives, six lives, seven lives, I'm going to do that because there's no time where we come from. Mm -hmm. Time to you is the relevancy of karma. Time is relevant to you because that's what karma, that's how karma is built on this idea of that you've done something. How is that possible? You're a multidimensional being. I'm existing in another dimension right now doing something. So does that have karma too? I know there's other parts of me that are existing in quantum dimensions. In fact, there's other parts of me on planet earth in bodies, in human bodies right now that are me. Are we not all the same though? Are we, we, our I, soul is, yeah. our soul is the, um, the, 
the whole soul is operating in an intelligent field of communication that my soul is your soul and all of us in the room, but it interacts differently with you as according to what you have came, come to experience as far as your intellect and your, your knowledge and your aptitude of, of information. Now, depending upon if you decide to spend your life not accessing higher levels of intelligence, that's your choice. And I choose to come in or someone else chooses to come in and access higher levels of intelligence. That's their choice. That's the, that's the wonderful thing I call free will. But the idea that someone has done something and therefore they have to make up for it. It's not about making up for it or fixing it or correcting it. It's about understanding it and remembering that you came and chose a frequency that you've come to alchemize. We are all alchemists. So in shamanism, we look at the alchemical principles of human culture from human ecology to psychology to how people develop in anthropology in sociology in differences and and how people look at each other from the perspective of interrelationship inter intermingling is basically them intermingling with themselves so if something is showing up in your life it's not showing up because it's trying to show up just to show up it's showing up because you're reflecting and projecting some aspect of your spirit through your adamant body that is asking for this thing to show up for the purpose of you alchemizing the energy, the intention, the emotion, the mental aspect or whatever back into its original form. I choose this vessel because I have looked at many vessels I could have came in. I was going to be a woman, but I realized that men would never listen to me as a woman. And I had a lot to do in this life. And I knew that, oh, so why don't I merge with another aspect of myself that exists in another dimension that is female and we'll merge ourselves into this body as not just me being this male energy, but me being a composite being. You were very composite. Like, I think composite yeah. being is the perfect description yeah. of you. Yeah. So I actually... We, we get feedback sometimes about we're three guys on a podcast. People are like, we need female energy on there. Like we've had some, some comments regarding that. It's just like three guys talking about stuff, but I actually, I love our dynamic on this podcast. Um, oh, I forgot why I brought this up. I had a very specific well, question. Because yeah. We're also very feminine ourselves. Yeah. Like I, I even say this, like I teach masculinity because I grew up in such a feminine way. So close to people like, one thing to know them, like everything you were just mentioning, it's right up our alley, like understanding why people are the way they are and how to defend them, protect them, love them. And But it's also extremely interesting and I feel really privileged to be here right now talking about this, that all these messages, like everything you're telling us, we're in, we're in a day and age where it actually makes sense scientifically now. And, and I love that, like you're, you're speaking about this uh, when you were fine tuning the frequencies in that, that in that dark room, that's actually Ken Wilber's uh, integral theory, but he theorizes about it. And I love hearing about actual experiences from a sanguine, but <laughs> I need to celebrate that. But like people have been theorizing about us getting to that level, like Ken Wilber in his book, No Boundaries speaks about it. How our awareness level starts understanding something inside of us and then it includes our body and then it includes our, includes our emotions and then it includes the world. And he even starts saying when people don't get it about uh, like animals and humans and, and plants and nature, it's because they're, they're in such a small limit within themselves trying to understand something extremely basic about themselves that they can't understand their connection to a higher levels. I agree 100% with that. And that's one of the things that I always say that human beings have no respect for animals and nature yeah. because they have no respect for themselves. And I say like, if 
human beings were to understand the, the, the way in which the body and the, the emotions and the mind and the spirit integrate within each other and how it operates within the context of um, intellect and, and, and the understanding of creation, you would realize that the community, we have what we call an arrogance in, in society, okay? And human, in human way, in human um, culture. The arrogance is that we think because we can make food or we can hunt or we can do any of these things, we assume, we assume that anyone who creates a task that creates some form of survival for the survival purposes, if we look at it from a place of anthropology, that you are actually more intelligent and more capable than all other species. Yeah. So we take on this very vile behavior of dominance through intellect and through purpose. And that's why everyone on the planet is either rewarding your purpose or degrading your purpose. Mm. And so when we see that, we realize that the animal um, kingdom and the plant kingdom is so intelligent that the idea of us being able to step out of that dominant place, that's what we say in shamanism, in African shamanism, we say that the masculine and feminine energy is a, a spirit that dances through you. It cannot be captured. The moment you capture it, you create destruction. So the idea is that one day you might be more masculine and one day you might be more feminine, be whatever is necessary for whatever component or situation you're dealing with. And that when people think of mother earth, it's not just mother earth, it's also mother father earth because the masculine and feminine is a spirit that dances. You can't grab it, you can't hold it, you can't capture it. But the moment you try to capture it, you create what is called a restriction tension, which creates a quantum entanglement. That quantum entanglement is the chaos theory. And that's how chaos is born, because the energy of one particle is now being constricted between two different and magnetic polarities. And that then begins to build and build and build and become like this intense black hole that sucks everything in and then explodes and sucks it in again. And everything that is affected by that explosion suffers. And so this is why human beings suffer because they don't integrate with the right intelligence on this planet. They integrate with a dominant intelligence, which creates an imbalance in the feminine energy, which creates an imbalance in how we interrelate with each other, which makes it that people don't want to know who they are. They rather tell you who you are instead of realize who they are. And that's why what, what, what Rodrigo does with the systemic psychology is so important because when you are operating in the idea of understanding the systemic qualities and we begin to start looking at how that integrity play, how that integral of connection of wanting to know who you are allows you to show up in the way that is most authentic to you, creates a certain level within society that makes it where people can feel safe because they know who they're talking to and they know how to talk your language. So there's a, what we call an integration process, which takes down hierarchy. What is the biggest structure on our planet that causes the most destruction on our planet is hierarchy, the pyramid structure, the idea that one is greater and one is lesser. And in shamanism, the idea of all spiritual intellects that follow the key of hierarchy are built for the purpose of subjugation, control, domination, and restriction and indoctrination. This is the number one reason why human beings have cancer, suffer, inflammation, the mental issues, decline in uh, body, um, meaning cell deterioration, all of these things, because they're creating micro chaoses inside of their body, inside of their neurological system, and inside of the environment that they don't even see because it exists in the invisible realm and then becomes tangible based on certain factors that the biological system actually starts creating. 
So this is a reason why human beings suffer so much on this planet. And then they want to call it karma. Yeah. I, I'm just, first of all, yeah, well done. Yes. Thank you for that. And now, like this whole time, I'm like reorganizing all this information through biotypes because what you described sounds extremely choleric. And we were talking the other day and you were talking about how like over time biotypes, like, you know, when, when DNA and, and, and genetics kind of split off, they eventually, what's the word called? They reconsolidate. And we've seen a lot of phlegmatics coming yeah. back right yeah. now. Like there's a, a consolidation of, of phlegmatics and with biotypes, cholerics are the most masculine, phlegmatics are the most feminine. And we have this like surge that's kind of come out. We're right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this surge <laughs> has kind of come out of these phlegmatics. And, and I know that you, you, um, I don't know if this is something that I've inferred or that I've heard said about your work, but like you're very passionate about working with, with the female, with, with women. Um, and that was actually my original question was like, we're three guys and if the future's female, like I have a deep desire to work with men and like help men and cholerics and all that stuff, wake up to this stuff, create compassion with them, themselves for themselves, for themselves as well as, as well like as regain like the regain beautiful, the protective, protective nature that nature the power has. But the protective nature of the power of masculine isn't protective. The woman, the woman is the protector. In tribal culture, women are the cornerstones of society. You know when you're in danger or where there's no water. Women are the ones, men don't sit and go, okay, we're gonna camp here and this is why, and here's the reasons why, because there's predators over here, there's food sustenance over here, there's, this is the perfect place to raise a child, this is the perfect place for us to grow our crops. Women make those decisions in tribal culture. So the protector of true, uh, how do we say tribe is women because women see quantumly. They see the possibility of all dangers simultaneously. That's why when a woman walks into a room, she's not thinking like a man does, where a man is like, okay, where am I sitting? Where am I going? Who's going to be there? Blah, 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 blah. Because he's only thinking about his self-protection. She's thinking about the community protection. She's looking at all the possible ways that something can happen for everyone. That's why women drain themselves so much. And that's why we as men have the responsibility to find ways to create more nurturing, more education, to bring more women's health to a higher level on our planet. Do you know that the major funds that go on our planet go towards men's health? Yeah. Why? We're not the ones who hold society together. We were considered the builders and the bread makers to bring food and sustenance to the table and create structures, but the structures cannot sustain themselves without the understanding of that which creates the structure, which is the protection, the love, the understanding, the emotional relationship, the community relationship, all of that is brought on by the feminine energy. So in African shamanism, we always say that the feminine energy is the, is the circle that is an, that, that's holding the tribe together. It is reason why Mayans died out because they kept sacrificing their women. You know, when you Egyptians died out because they kept creating slaves to build everything and not participating in the feminine aspect of the totality of everyone's uh, thriving. So what happens when your slave's gone? Your whole kingdom falls apart, right? What happens when you have no women to run the thing? You can't make any more babies so you can't have you're 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 getting picked off one by one your civilization dies this has been shown through all understandings of how we operate through anthropology through sociology and when you look at today in in shamanic culture why shamans in in peru and so forth want to give people ayahuasca and why shamans in africa want to give you um, ibogaine and get you and why shamans who are more of the plains want to give you peyote and why they keep pushing the plant medicine into western society is because western society thinks from the place of selfishness. 
they operate in the context of me, 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 reward me, accolade me, give me accolades, uh, acknowledge what I've done, look at what I have, here's this, here's that, instead of saying, how can we create a collective sharing, a regrouping? How do, what is the real thing that we actually care about? And that's why I love what Corona has done for us. Even though Corona has been painful, and we have a lot of loss and God bless everyone's soul who's gone through difficult times. But what Corona has done is it created what is called called an isolation effect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> an isolation effect in shamanism actually literally creates a discharge of higher intelligence, intuition, and empathy. Now, what does that mean? That means the more you isolated yourself, you don't even realize that your intuition levels have skyrocketed. Your ability to feel has skyrocketed, which means what? Which means that most people aren't gonna be buying the bullshit anymore because people don't want any more bullshit because the bullshit is sensational and it's for the brain. It's not for the emotional intelligence. It's not for the human adaptability. And human adaptability cannot come into play unless human beings realize that the only reason why they suffer is because of their inability to adapt. So again, where does that come from? That comes from raising the feminine. It's not just about women. I stand for women because women are the cornerstones, but women also are the ones who help bring in children who educate their their sons and their daughters. So if, a, if a woman is an empowered mother, meaning that she is a what I call an active, um, an activated woman, she's gonna have children who she activates with her wisdom, not from a place of, I can't speak, I can't talk, your dad knows everything, and then the kids grow up doing the same thing over and over we see through history. We have to create a new association. And that association is, guess what women focus the most on? Evolution. What, when I go do a talk and I'm speaking to 5,000 people, guess how many men are in that group? 10. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 5,000 women, what does that tell you about society? Well, we have the same, yeah. We see it everywhere. Like when it has to do with psychology, human growth, human potential, even therapy, like yes. it's always 80, 90% women, always. Yes. So I guess, let me reiterate my initial question is how did we get more men interested in this stuff? Because that's always something that like, I, I look at our audience, I think right now we might be about 50-50 even in the patrons, but like our, our audience is mostly women. And Rodrigo teaches incredible courses about, you know, masculinity and all this stuff. And, and I, I would love for us to have more men in this work. Is, do you have an answer for that? Of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the biggest reason why men are not participating in the evolutionary field is because men feel that by participating, they actually are admitting that there is something that is not in harmony. Now you have to understand, the structure of men were raised on earth to believe that they have to be the ones who put the food on the table mm -hmm. and they have to do everything right so they can get married and have kids and build a family and they have to follow these very structural rules. Structural rules that are based upon the idea of scarcity and fear and lack and limitation. So the idea that if you, if you do, if break those rules, you are breaking some ancestral uh, lineage that was passed down from one father to the next father, to the next father, to the next father, to the next father, to, next father, to you. And that means what? That means that you are operating against your own self. And the idea of a man operating against himself is a form of death. And that means what? That means that you are basically assassinating your character in order to, to, to be born into a new one. Well, women understand death because women have been going through that since the day they were born. Yeah. 
So, so it's easy for them to go, oh yeah, I'm gonna change myself, absolutely. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna take on this new course, I'm gonna do this new yoga class, I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna drink this new thing, I'm gonna go dance under the moon, I'm gonna do whatever it takes, whatever, what's, what's my next experience? Oh, you know? <laughs> that was a perfect depiction. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. And that's why women can give birth. They're like, oh, it's out, it's done. Yeah. Oh. Does this relate you know? at all to like, um, when you're talking about the idea of like men maybe just holding on to that, what they think masculinity is and not letting both yes. energies flow through them. And that's like making men sick because if they were to uh, be into the evolution of themselves, they would be allowing more of, it seems like the feminine spirit to come into them. Like does, does it relate to the idea of holding on to what they think masculinity is supposed to be? Well, yes, if we understand the, we, if we wanna go backwards, right? That's Let's cool. go backwards. We understand that the system that we live in, our government and religion that has basically manipulated the way of human um, interaction, not from the teachings of Jesus, which was all about love, love your brother, love your neighbor, love everybody, let's have come together. You shall do greater things than I, because there's a lot of, uh, you guys, excuse me. There's the, the, the love aspect is, um, a quality that must be brought forth in all levels of development. Now, when you are raising uh, a society where you realize that if love becomes the core quality of society, then love, then the society becomes quantum. Mm. They're aware of not only of their existence, they're aware of everything that exists. So, so when there's an imbalance, what are they going to do? Shift. They're going to shift. Exactly. Yeah. So if you, why, if you want to create a pyramid hierarchy, would you want that level of acknowledgement within human nature? You want it. So what do you do? You have to find a way to dismantle the feminine from the very beginning. So what do you do? You start making, you start building a, a, a consensus that any man who shows up weak should be killed, mm -hmm. murdered, he should be pushed out of the tribe. He's a weak link because this is what a man is. And so they built this structure that anyone who showed up with that kind of energy were considered crazy, mm -hmm. lunatics. The word that they used to call it was weirding. They were the weird ones, okay? So if you were a man that showed femininity, you were considered a witch. If you were a man that showed um, any form of gentleness or whatever, then you would be, they, would, they would see you as weak and they would immediately try to get rid of you because you could weaken the whole tribe. And they built this in not because of this was the tribal way. This came in from people who were manipulating tribes through religion, manipulating the system through government, trying to create positions where women's voices were not heard because women can see imbalance. So when a woman tells her husband, honey, I don't really, I really want to think about this before we make this decision and da, 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 the man's supposed to go, okay, honey, tell me what you see because I trust you because you're yeah. my wife. I means that your eyes and ears are the eyes and ears that I do not have. So you're, because you see quantumly, I want to be able to see all the dangers that are coming my way. But because men, reason why men don't want to submit is because again, it goes back to the weakness, the idea of weakness. Well, why are women so attracted to that type of guy though? Like, like I feel like the, those men are heavily rewarded in terms of affection and attraction and they're kind of idolized. Which type of guy? 
the, the, the kind the that's like, like the alpha male. Yeah, the dominant ones, that ones that seem very powerful walking around. The ones that are high up in the hierarchy, like they seem to, like from a mating standpoint or attraction standpoint, which like, like I'll be honest, I think that's a real driving factor, at least for most guys. That, that, that there's, that like, there's even like even something subconscious going on of like I don't want to attract a mate and that that image of that type of controlling hierarchical guy really tends to to bring in beautiful loving caring women that are like in my opinion sometimes wise beyond their years are they they feel well are they wise or do you you presume them to be wise. You can't, okay, okay. let me, let, let's explain it from this perspective. You take an alpha male who's like, I'm the man, yes. right? In society, we are not equal. We are not equal in how we treat women. If we were equal how we treat women, that means that men, every man in the world would reach into their pocket right now, open up their bank account, find a woman who has a dream and give her the money that she needs to be the powerful woman that she is. We built a society where we've created codependency in relationships. We created a society where the man has to be the strong one and we, we, we associate strength with protection. With women, there's a lot of women who are waking up today going like, look, my man can be strong, but if he can't hear my emotions and he can't sit with me and feel my feelings, instead of always trying to come in and fix it, instead of just putting his arms around me and showing up and connecting into that feminine energy in the way that I need it to be held, that's, that's considered toxic now. Then men don't show up that way. Why? Because men have been utilizing this, this mischievous behavior of I'm the man. So what I'm going to do, most men are insecure by nature. And I'll tell you why. Because most men aren't in touch with their emotional intelligence, so they don't know what's coming or going. Whereas women do know what's coming or going, but then they get tricked by men to believe otherwise. So what men will do is they'll tell other women, you're so beautiful, you're so amazing, baby, I love you. They'll make love to her, they'll get her in by sex, they'll get her in by being that man, and then they'll put her down a little bit. Just to keep her at a level where she stays at a, at a level where she doesn't rise to his level, because men are afraid that if she rises to his level, Men are afraid of the vagina. Men are afraid of the vagina. And I've spoken to many Muslim countries and I went into rooms where there was all Muslim men and I'm like, raise your hand if you're afraid of the vagina. And they didn't want to raise their hand, but then one guy raised his hand and then he spoke and then all the men raised their hand. Because you're afraid, because why? Because you believe that you have to work and put money in the bank, you have to have good looks, you have to, I mean, then there's the whole thing about, you know, how, how, how good you are in bed yeah. to keep a woman, is your, is your, is your, is your penis uh, suitable for the woman, is, are you, are you making enough money, are you creating enough life for the woman to stay, because if not, a woman's got a vagina, she can just leave you and go with another man and bada boom, bada bang, bye bye. Yeah, I think that there's the deep insecurity is that it's like, you don't really need us. So there, and men need to be yeah, valued. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And we, we, and we, we and you talk about talk this all the time, time Rodrigo, is like, like, like men, men need that, that acknowledgement. Like I do, like, like I feel like whenever, like whenever I, I just have a bit about this in my show, show about like, like give a man a jar of tomato sauce, like, you know, like, he's like, oh yeah, I sauce that pasta and tell his friends about it the next day. But I feel like I'm talking a lot and I feel like you guys, you guys. I have a lot of things to say, but I'm just really enjoying it. I want I, I just I just have a couple of connections to make that that I think are really relevant. Trist, yes, men actually live through feminine acknowledgement. 
Like that's the most important thing. If we don't have it, we just rot and die. Like that's absolutely true. And I think that a big problem that we have is our actual understanding of what protection is. Uh, Because at some point we decided that protection means being the strongest one and being the one that creates the boundary and no one touches this and it's all mine and it's all mine and it's all private property, which is ridiculous. But the Aztecs really understood it and it goes perfectly in line with what uh, what Chamanduric is saying, which is the the Aztecs would say that um, I have actually two things to say about the Aztecs, but they they would say that women, uh, well, men need to be strong and sensitive. Right. And then they would say, and if a man is not, is only sensitive, he's not a man. And if a man is only strong, then he's an asshole. Like you need to have both things together. But then they would say, and women are sweet and containing. Uh, and I, I feel like when we're talking about, oh, it's on both sides. Oh, dope. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel like when, when it has to do with understanding what, what containing actually means is the reason why I give my mom gifts every, uh, every Mother's Day in Mexico, I, I, give, I always give her a gift and a little teddy bear, she has like a million of them and they all have different names like glue. Uh, we have like 80 words for glue in Spanish. So it's like pegamento, resistol, cola loca. Like even, I even go into brands because I know that wherever my mom is, that's where my family exists. I know that it only exists because she's the one bringing us together. And we're just supposed to listen to that and protect it. That's it. Uh, there's, there's a reason for um, even, even deities, uh, deities in the world. Like uh, when, when philosophers and map makers of philosophy want to understand why we created the images of deities that we created, uh, they completely understand that if there is a region of the world where women can create their own food, deities are women because they're obviously the ones that are creating life and food and how men wanted to pretty much push certain situations into places where they were necessary. Like I need to be necessary. And then they would start making up that then, that then maybe deities have to be men because they're stronger when in all other regions of the world, it was like, no, they have to be women. And the final thing I wanted to say uh, about the philosophy about this, and I love it, is how they need to work together, both the masculine and the feminine. The Aztecs would say this beautiful story about how men are made of corn and women are made of beans. And the reason they would say that is because in nature, corn and beans are actually complementary to each other. You couldn't really grow corn without beans. And you couldn't really grow beans without corn. They needed to be on the same fertile ground. So I'm going to oversimplify this, but I think it's beautiful. What they would say is, if you put beans in the same piece of land for a while, uh, there's two problems. First, they throw a lot of nitrogen into the ground. And, And they also need to climb strong structures so that they can protect them and nourish them. And corn takes up a lot of nitrogen from the ground. And if you plant corn more than three seasons in the same piece of land, you won't be able to grow it again for 10 years, maybe even more, uh, because it just took all the nitrogen off of it. So the only way in nature in which corn and beans could be together was if corn understood that its job is to become the strong structure, taking the nutrition of beans to grow strong and actually be hugged and protected by beans that was giving it the nutrition and climbing with it. And that's the only way in which the masculine and the feminine can touch the sun together.
Exactly. I agree. And I feel like a lot of the, the reasons why we have, um, when people talk about homosexuality on planet Earth, is because spirit is, knows how to adapt. And spirit has said, okay, men have uh, really going to destroy the planet if women don't step into space. <laughs> so we're going to create men who are actually creating a balance where there's too many babies, there's too many this. We're going to start bringing a balance because there's animals in nature that know how to change their own sex to save and support their species. And that's what was happening on our planet right now is that we are going through all these changes to find the right formula to say to to thrive in in and in, in what we say harmony with uh, with the nature kingdom, you know, and so again, when we get out of the labels, we get out of these uh, rules of like, this is what a man is. And this is what a woman is like, I know for myself, that, you know, women are the ones who should be choosing their man, not the other way around. Because women have this amygdala, they have this keen sense of ability that is able to sense within their own bodies what is the right man for them in order to create the greatest that they need. Women also know what is right for them to have the best pregnancy. Women also know what is the right thing in the home to make more money, to make more abundance. They know what it takes to make something grow. And so when men are choosing, like my girlfriend said to me, she's like, I choose you, babe. So when you're ready, you let me know, you know, and, and what, when, what men have to get out of is this whole bravado of I'm a man and this is what a man does. And this is why I'm not going to go into these things because then it means something's wrong with me and nothing. I'm not going to have no man or anyone or any shaman or any person tell me something's wrong with me because that's what men go into. So when I talk to men who don't actually take the, the, the journey of, uh, being a part of the evolutionary experience it's because they built this mental landscape of themselves and their character and who they think they are as according to what makes them feel safe it's not based upon community it's not based upon social resourcing which is being able to connect with people and resource to them and they resource to you it's not based on any of those things it's based on them being able to feel safe for themselves and that's an individualized me, 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 instead of the we, we, we. And that's why Burning Man has had such an impact on people because now you got men going there and they can feel free without being judged to be however they want to. So they're able to explore all the creative ways their mind can operate and their emotions can operate. That's why festivals and all these different things that are playing on our planet right now is helping people to break down those social barriers. And those social barriers are constructs that are killing our planet. And, you know, and if you look at it from the perspective of the pop, like the tribes of the Papua New Guinea people, Papua New Guinea people believe that you have to ingest a male semen of your tribe in order to be able to choose your wife and get the tattoos to be a man. You don't get to be a man until you have the essence of every man and that tribe inside of you, where some cultures will look at that and be like, that's disgusting, right? And then in some African cultures, you wouldn't just have a man and a woman have a baby. The whole tribe, all the men in the tribe would make love to the same woman within a certain period of a month so that, that when the child comes, we don't know who the father is. The tribe is the father right and so again we, we depending upon where we are and where we're developing our knowledge our information and our understanding we have to understand that the first key to anything is to get to know yourself and know yourself well because if you don't know yourself then someone's going to come along and put some stuff on you that's not you 
And then you're going to try to go into a space of wanting to deny those things or fight those things, which means that you don't really know yourself because the fact that you actually have to deny or fight shows that you have uh, uh, something that's actually missing from your core self. And so in order for us to create change in the world, we have to get to know ourselves. We have to get to have a greater relationship with ourselves, relationship with our body, relationship with our emotions, and the ability to be adaptable. Because things like coronavirus isn't the last that we're going to see on this planet. And the reason why people suffered so much was because they were so used to seeing Whole Foods or seeing their stores, giving their toilet paper, having their luxuries and having their things. And when it was taken from them, they went into shock. <laughs> okay, but if we become more adaptable human beings, which we say in shamanism, uh, a tribe thrives on their ability to adapt. A tribe dies in their ability not to adapt. So a human being can only go as far as they're willing to bend and shift and shimmy and shake and salsa and dance around the situation to the point where they're able to flow and move and ebb in the ways that the great masters of ancient China and all the great masters talked about being flexible like the reed, bendable, being able to be fluid. Because if you can't do that, then you're, you're only holding on to a righteousness. You're holding on to a need to, to feel safe by your, your opinion. And opinions, if it's not supporting the greater global community, are basically a waste of time. Brian, I want you to speak. I don't know what to say. Man, you've never met any, any kind of spiritual teacher before, have you? I don't think, no, I don't think to this level that you are. I mean, I, I just, I, I have so many questions about how it all works. He's my friend. He's your friend? He's <laughs> <laughs> my friend now, too. Yes. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, ask what? if your tree misses you. <laughs> <laughs> we had this, uh, uh, um, this doctor of psychedelics kind of come on and everybody was sharing their psychedelic stories and both Brian and, and Rodrigo had special trees that they had communications with. Fantastic. Yeah. Trees are absolutely one of the wisest beings on our planet. Yeah. And I fell in love I'm with one in Amsterdam. Yeah. I, I think about her sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask when you um, work with work people with and I've seen, I've seen people on Clubhouse, Clubhouse and you say, and I'm, say going I'm going into your files, files right now. Right now. Mm -hmm. what, is, what, is, what does that, that mean? mean the language of going into your files? And even when you just speak to someone on something like Clubhouse, how do you sense that energy? Yes, of course I can articulate. I mean, it, the, so I don't and see if, the world. Well, I was uh, going to say, and if you can, feel free to say no to this. Will you look into Brian's files on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Are you okay with that, Brian? Uh, sure. yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the thing is, when we look at files in shamanism, so I'm a spirit shaman. So different shamans have different ways. So divin the act of divination is the ability to see beyond dimensional fields, okay. right? So when you're training in shamanism, you have uh, different tribes, if it's Native American, if it's African, or if it's, if it's Sami, if it's whatever, they all have their traditional ways of, of operating. If they're an earth shaman or a fire shaman or a water shaman or an air shaman, I'm a spirit shaman. So a spirit shaman represents the fifth element. So we operate in to be able to look through all fields of, of those elements. And so when, when I look at files, several things happen. The walls start filling up with information. All of a sudden, your, your body becomes this informational um, field of intelligence where I can sense the intelligence communicating to me. And I, and I sense it, and I hear it, and I know it. So it's like, it's nothing like, I can't just be like, oh, it's not there. You know, right, right. and um, so like, for instance, like we let's take a look at your files. OK, so basically just right off the bat, um, you need to take some time away because you have you have ability to write and to communicate. And you have a part of your being that needs to tell stories. It has to get stories out to the world, not just about what you're doing in comedy, but there's a bigger 
a bigger path that the spirits are saying. But the problem that comes up sometimes is that you go into these spirals where you overthink things. And the spirits say your overthinking takes too much energy and too much time because the amount of time that it takes for you to spiral yourself out of that overthinking and actually just go, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to do it right? Which is where your energy is best suited is when you're actually in a place where you make a decision and you just go with it and see where it goes. You tend to go, um, okay, well, you know, and you go into this spiral and that spiral is wasting energy for you. So in your files, it says that I go into these spirals with myself because of the fact that I don't want to make a mistake, but what is the mistake? <laughs> I, was, I was just registering you guys. It's great because he doesn't know It all makes sense. I know every human being on this planet. Yes, you do. I mean, that is exactly, and it's something that I, in the past year, have noticed in myself. That is the thing I've been trying to work on. But you haven't been working on embracing it. You've been stuck in judgment around it. And I looked at your files around that. <laughs> and it says the reason why you go into judgment around it because it comes back from your childhood it comes back from this idea of not wanting to upset anyone around you so what you did was you created this this course of action of i am going to make sure that no one is upset with me and then by doing that i'm actually going to sit in judgment of myself and nitpick myself until I find a place that actually could make them upset and try to get rid of it. But all that nitpicking is actually taking you away from actually changing it, right? And then you go into these places where you get overloaded and you're just like, oh, I just can't even deal with it anymore. And then you go into shutdown mode and then you wanna just go free and be like free and wild and like let yourself go, whatever. And then you get into this like, oh, I gotta put myself back together. I gotta do this thing. And the thing is, my dear, um, it says here in your files, in order for me to achieve the highest level of success, I have to not put myself in one thing. I need to be in many things and I need to stop overthinking it and allowing myself to step into a place where I feel my way through life instead of think my way through life. Right. But the reason why I do this is I felt responsible of taking on my mother's energy at a very young age, which made me more susceptible to feeling a, a burdened of wanting to make sure I wasn't a burden to others. It says here in your files that in order for me to be able to create more wealth and prosperity in my life, I need to be by the water and I need to be where there's sounds of ocean, water, movement. I need to be around things where I feel like I can feel movement constantly happening. When that happens, that's when I bring in wealth and abundance. When I'm in situations and relationships where people are complaining the whole entire time, it actually draws my energy down and makes me feel like I'm stuck. And when I feel stuck, I, all my creativity gets taken away from me. And that's when I need to get out of it. I go into a shutdown mode that usually lasts about two weeks or so. And then I come out and I resurface and then I tell everyone I resurfaced again and I'm ready to get back into my spot. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I, I loved hearing you reflect that to me. Mm. I really, really loved hearing you say all that. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I feel seen when I hear that. You are seen. Thank you. It feels great to be seen. I see you in your physical and I see you in all your other layers. Yes. So. I guess my question is, what's a step I can take to um, uh, move through this in a, in a healthy way? Well, the step that you can take first is for you to get into a space where you start to have more fun without guilt. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. that for me too? Um, yours is trying to stop being right about things. Oh my God. Ah! Ah! <laughs> 
your your need to be right takes up a lot of energy and space and it doesn't support you because actually the universe brings to you things to you anyway but your whole thing is if i'm right then i'm smart if i'm smart then i'm valuable this doesn't make sense because you should already know that so until you actually clear up that energy you're going to keep going down ups and downs with financially up and downs in business some days things are going to work some days are not the universe can't create consistency with you if you're not going to create consistency with yourself Wow. And this is why yeah. I'm a therapist that actually loves being calibrated with the shaman. Like, I love when we start seeing the same things. Like everything you just told Brian, it took me a while to like process all that information and support them with it. But we've been through most of that. And it's like, yes, that's exactly I mean, it. this stuff about like needing to please from yeah. my childhood with my sister, yes. my mom stuff, like, oh my God. Yes. It's been, it, yeah. And we can even tell you where you hold it in your body, your left shoulder blade, your lower abdominal area. That's why your microbiome is not as perfect as it should be. And you also hold inflammation in your spine, in your soul, in, up in your scapula, right underneath your right side of your um, shoulder blade. And what happens is, is it causes imbalance balances on how you sleep and how your body regulates its energy. You have what is called an energy leakage that's on your lateral right side of your body, which is reason why sometimes you feel you can get a little uncomfortable and antsy and anxiety. Mm. Anxiety comes in because you're not, you're not, you're not sealing off these energies. Mm. Your body feels responsible when someone is un, out of, out of sync. That means what? That means if I put you into a meditative state and then I send a woman in the room telling you how she just lost her baby and she starts crying, then she leaves. And then I come in the room and check on you. I'll see your energy starting to leak. Then I send the next person in and the next person comes in and starts telling you how horrible things are happening to them and they don't know what they're going to do and all these different things. It leaks a little bit more. Then I send a couple in and they start arguing and yelling at each other. Now the energy is really leaking. And why? Because you haven't, you haven't learned the art of being the eye of the storm. Mm -hmm. You haven't learned how to resource your power so clearly that you're not affected by any outside energies. The moment someone is uncomfortable, you want to fix it to bring them to harmony so you can get back to harmony. It's kind of like, I'm going to leave my beautiful palace of meditation and harmony and balance and everything because everyone is having chaos. So I'm going to go fix their chaos so that I can have peace of mind where that's not going to support you because you know what that's going to do? That's going to make you angry and bitter inside. Mm. And then you're going to start becoming edgy with the world. You're going to start shutting off certain aspects of yourself. And if you're in a relationship, you're going to find dealing with any kind of problems, it's going to irritate you because it's going to be a mass overload of the stuff you're already trying to figure out for everyone around you. You have to become completely free from everyone's energy. Mm. And you have to start creating what I call internal boundaries where you literally say, I love you, you're smart, you're powerful, I know you can do this. I would love to be, I've talked about this so many times, if I'm walking through the streets of New York and I pass a homeless person, which happens often, it like bugs me for mm -hmm. 30 minutes. Yeah. I was at home with my mom for COVID and when I see my mom having trouble, it, it's mom stuff, I feel it and I carry it with me and I'm like, I just like, how can I help her in her internal journey when I can't? And it's like, what do I need to do to like put those boundaries out? It's something I used to pride myself when I was younger, being like, oh, I'll be here with you and your emotions and everything. I'll carry it with me. Exactly. And as I get older, I'm like, oh, it's too heavy of a weight. I, I can't be that person. Obviously, for everyone, it's not healthy for me. I, you know, if I if it weighs me down, then I can't move forward with my life or theirs. So mm -hmm. it's like putting up those boundaries is something I've really been thinking about. 
in the past, you know, I guess year, but learning how to put them up is, you know, a whole new story. But no, I, it's not. It's not a whole new story. You can write it right now. The reason it. why, so first of all, you have to understand why you like comedy. Okay? okay. You like comedy because you like to take the heaviness out of life. You also want to see people happy. Mm. You also want to take the piss out of dumb shit. So it's kind of like, yeah, hey, I can make fun of the things that I really think are irritating, <laughs> right? It was just great. Yeah. It was wonderful, yeah. right? But the thing is, what, what the reason why you're not putting those boundaries up is because you are still holding on to an idea that I'm not a good person if I don't care. So you feel shameful and guilty for not really caring in the way that you think you should because you don't even know what it means mm -hmm. because you're not accepting human evolution. You're not realizing that every human being is choosing their path according to their free will. You're not respecting other people's free will. You think that by you jumping in, you actually are saving the day when in actual fact, you are actually limiting them from being able to make choices that they need to be able to make choices to become strong and much more viable to function as a human being in a way that they should that allows them to be present on this planet with themselves and with everyone else. Yeah, that's for me too. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said it like I that. I know, I know. <laughs> Wow. Oh, you're you're beautiful, beautiful, man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's incredible. He is. And, it's a and pleasure there, to serve you. There, there's one thing I want to say. I, I, I had a session with Shaman Durek a couple of weeks ago. Um, I thought it was about me not smoking anymore. And the precision of the things that you tell people is mind blowing. Like, and this is coming from someone who surprises people all the time with how much I can know about them just by looking at them. Yeah, you, you blow my mind. And I, there's two things I want to say. First, at a moment, can I reveal certain things about my session? Of course you can. Okay, it's so choice. Uh, at a specific moment, it was a long, really powerful session. I've, I've, I haven't cried like that or burped like that in a really <laughs> long time or laughed like that or yawned like that. But... <laughs> Um, at some point, uh, Shaman Durek told me, there is someone from your family who's coming to visit. And I was expecting either my grandmother or my, or my great aunt. Uh, and then what blew my mind is my grandfather showed up and I was really surprised. And, and when I moved back, uh, Shaman Durek said, yeah, the spirits told me you would be extremely surprised to see your grandpa like he knew I was seeing, which is not something I can't explain. And by the way, I don't smoke anymore. So it works. And I'm extremely happy to call you my friend. I love you. Mm. I love you too. I love you. Shaman Durek, I have a question. In terms of um, looking at your own self and your own journey, is that more difficult to look at your own self. We talk about in psychology, your own ego, uh, it's hard sometimes to look at you and you can see other people yeah. like very clearly. Is that true in shamanism or can you see yourself just as clearly in the things that you're going through and need to work on as well as you can see other people? You can see it just as clearly. And we don't have the same feeling that humans have written about their ego. In shamanism, we understand that the ego is your personal assistant. Mm. It is there to take whatever you believe about the world and write it as a narrative of your truth. Right. So what I simply do is go to my shadow and be like, shadow, what is it that I'm not taking responsibility for and showing up with love? Where can I refine myself? How can I be much more loving? How can I be more authentic? Where is places inside of me that I need to step into more love? 
And then they tell me, Shadow's like, well, here's this, 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 which one would you like to do first? So I make a schedule every day. I have, it's called the, so my team puts my schedule together weekly. And I have my, in the morning, I have my early morning things that I do, which is like my sauna, my pemph, my talk to my ancestors, my bike ride, and like, you know, these things. And then in the later, then I have my one hour nap during, in the, in the middle of the day, because I have to have my nap. And then I have my um, spend time working on Shaman Derek time, love time. And within that hour, I, I sit down with my shadow or with my ego or with my ancestors or with any part of my being that is I look I do what is called um, spiritual inventory so I look at my behaviors that I've had during the week and if I felt like there was any nuances outside of love I ask myself why why were you triggered what was this trigger you were going through and where does it come from so like yesterday it was like looking at um how yeah my dad did all these really messed up things but he also gave me an amazing work ethic and he gave me this ability to get up at five every morning, even though he used to force me out of bed at five o'clock as a kid, I used to hate it. I actually quite enjoy it now. Mm -hmm. He's given me the ability to um, see how I can continue to support family, you know, my nieces, um, everyone who works in my company. Um, my sister, how I'm able to show up for community, how I'm able to 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 create that uh, that ability, and so yesterday was all about doing more um, focus on loving and coming into a relationship with my father, and then going through that process and then talking to him and being like, well, you saw what I was doing, what did you think, you know, and then having that conversation, and then sometimes it's me looking at places where I got angry. Why did I get angry? What was my trigger? Why did I feel so insecure when that person said that? Why did I, why did I lie? Why did I make a lie right now? What was that about, right? So for me, it's, 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 it's not like I'm working on myself. It's an eternal remembrance for me. Even in this embodiment, in other times, I'm gonna be still doing the same thing. This, is, this journey is not a finish line, you know? And for me, the way I always look at it, and I always tell people, I'm never gonna be healed as long as there's one person on the street who's starving. I'm never gonna be completely healed if, there's, if one of my brothers and sisters are suffering, then I'm suffering. It's like what I said to people the other day. I said, as long as one person is enslaved on this planet, we're all enslaved. So the way I look at it is that my uh, way of living has to be me operating in the same way in which I'm operating with others. So if I'm going in and looking at your files, I'm also looking at my files. But I don't look at it as, oh, I have to work on myself. I look at it as an opportunity for refinement. Right. Who doesn't want to sharpen the sword and make yeah. beautiful jewels on the sword where it was just a dingy old sword and now I've added some rubies and some gems and some diamonds. I've sharpened it, added some cool little emblems on it and really cool runes or some cool symbolisms. And you know, every day we can refine ourselves, why not? Of course, and I think that's so, when you get, um, you start evolving in terms of like self-growth, I think that's, your, your perspective on what self-growth is changes, because I think a lot of guys especially, they don't want to hear the bad parts about themselves, because it just yeah. means like, oh, that's like, I'm not good enough in this sense. But when you start changing, you're like, oh, what a cool new thing to learn that I can, I can take control of and get better. It's just like putting a different perspective on the same and thing. And that's actually extremely feminine. 
like that's actually tapping into your feminine energy. Yeah, absolutely. And like I was telling my friend yesterday, I was like, oh, I want to get a baby grand piano in the house. And he's like, why? I'm like, let's take piano lessons. Let's get that. Let's learn some piano. <laughs> you know, like, why not? <laughs> you know, like my whole thing is like, this is your life. Okay. I'm not going to restrain myself in this life. I believe a holy person is not one who walks around in robes and dashikis and bows and says om and namaste and whatever. A holy person is one who seeks liberation. Liberation from labels, liberation from attachments, liberations from what you believe you can do to what you can do. I want to experience it all. I want to taste it, smell it, lick it, like roll in it. I want to feel so when I leave this planet, there's not one part of my spirit that says, I need to go back to earth because I haven't done enough there. Mm. I was like, I don't need to go back to earth. Why didn't I try this? Yeah. Why didn't I do that? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I lived it. Yeah. I'm ready to go to another planet. What bodies do we have available? I want to take you to an escape room with us. I love escape room. Yeah, yeah. I love escape room. Is that cheating? Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm sensing over here. No, my yeah. family doesn't let me use my powers. Yeah. And then it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. We were literally talking about it as we're driving here, and I was telling them, imagine doing it with John and Dorian. Yeah. Like, Boom, and it opens. <laughs> yeah. so that's actually what we do like that's that's the, that's the family thing we do all the time we go to escape rooms really yeah I we're super that. escape room heads so like oh, so my yes. like my girlfriend like and when she's in town or like my family my nieces my sister like we all are escape room heads even my whole team like tanya everybody like my whole team my business manager like everyone who's on my team we do group escape rooms and we go i can't use my powers and it's like a nightmare. I'm like, okay, this really so needs to happen funny. now. Yeah, come on. It's my favorite no thing. No matter what, it's my favorite so thing. I, I've done a hundred. Like I just did the Jumanji one. We did that. Yeah, I've done that one. Yeah. I've yeah. never done one ever. Oh, really? Gosh. You did the Jumanji yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. So I can't talk about it because it'll be a spoiler if you go. Oh, Have yeah. you done the Magical Wands one? No, I hear it's great. That's amazing. Yes. Have you done? Um, the what was it the magicians one no and i hear I, every, all the, the magic, magic ones, ones. The magic? all the oh, magic ones like, oh yeah i was gonna do it dang it he's um, a magician too i, I love that amateur. i love the magic castle i go all the time i go to the magic castle all the time thing. yeah i like dressing up and going it's the and watching greatest the magic right shows. you feel so fancy oh it's the i best. love it yes. i love magic shows i love all that stuff i love all that stuff that has to do because it basically keeps people tantalize. I like tantalizing people. I like people being stimulated. I think when someone says, they go, oh, I love it. Yes, when people don't like magic, I'm like, get out of here. You're like, I'll tell you something that I like about magic, and this is a more of a thinky probably way of looking at it, but what I love about watching a good magic trick is I think as humans, we love creating these like diehard opinions of how the world works, like how societies work, religion, anything. We love having our opinions. And then you see a magic trick, and that's something happening right in front of your face, and you're wrong. It's like, well, if you're wrong about something right here, what makes you think you're right about it? Exactly. That's why I say it's no point. I think the best thing you can do in life is not make any opinions about anything and just let people play out their recourse of how whatever they want to play out. I'm always, I always look at it like I'm in the Greek theater. And I always say to my friends, like, well, what do you think about what's going on in the world? And I'm like, well, you know, the Greek theater is very interesting right now. I'm watching everyone wear their costumes and play out their roles, and I'm kind of just sitting back and going how fascinating is all of this <laughs> you know I, I i want to share a little story about about magic because i really enjoyed this i never really liked magic because growing up i had this very scientific mind i come from a system where all men are engineers so i'm i'm the therapist that knows math but the the really interesting thing is i never really liked magic because growing up it was always about figuring it out and finding the path until i met this magician 
He's a Spanish magician. His name is Antonio Diaz. They, they call him the pop magician. And he won the European contest uh, for like all magicians worldwide. I don't know. He's like really important. But I went to one of his shows and for the first time in decades, I felt, I felt like a kid. I couldn't figure out anything of what he was doing, but he's so artistic. And then at the end of the show, he always gives this speech about how magic isn't about magic. It's about reminding people of their dreams and everything that's possible. And how it's the purest way of reminding people what's available for them. And it doesn't have to do with magic itself, but just reminding people who they really are, which you always say, and in pretty much every philosophy in, in Mesoamerica, we like every culture used to say, remember to remember, mm, remember yes. to remember. Right. And I love that they say that. And, and he finished this thing by saying, remember to remember. And I was crying my eyes out. And then he runs outside the theater to stand outside of the theater in the middle of Barcelona where I was and, and greets every human being one by one. Like he says goodbye to probably, I don't know, it was like, probably a thousand people watching the show that day in downtown Barcelona. And he's a famous star. And he gives, like, he shakes everybody's hand. He hugs you if you want. And, and he stops every two or three people to say, did you get it? And, and and you just go like, yeah, and he hugs you and that's it. And it's not about being a magician. It's about reminding people, remember to that's remember. Right. So, so I say we're in the art of remembering. Exactly. We, we've got, I want to, bring on uh, at least one patron who, who Igor is uh, our top patron. So he asked this question in the chat. What's so, a patron? So we have a Patreon. So for people that want to support the podcast, they can go and join at different levels. So we have extended episodes that people can get the, the, the full length episodes that we record. Um, and then the reason why we have people live on with us right now is that there's a tier where you can join the Zoom call and type in the chat and ask questions. Oh, and then we have the highest tier is, is like our super patrons who like if, if, if they're, they're on, on and they, they want to come, come on and, and speak, speak they, 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 they get priority. priority. Um, so Igor's asked this really interesting Be Before question. we go into yes. the question, I just think that you should see the amount of people saying like, I just have an orgasm of my mind, preach, clapping out loud. <laughs> now, those are the comments that people were sending as you were speaking, by yeah. the way. So sweet. Mm -hmm. the, the, the chat was absolutely loving everything yeah. that was being said. This episode is so powerful, it's awesome. Um, are these people still on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, is there? Do you want to give a a message, just blanket to all of the patrons? Is there anything that's kind of coming up for you, or we can ask the specific question from Igor? I think the most important thing right now that's coming up um, for me that I share with the whole world right now is that we are coming into um, what we say in shamanism. We're operating into a Venus energy. So Venus energy is about really showing the places where you're not showing up for love in yourself and other people. And I would say at this time, what's happening on the planet is um, people are becoming more sensitive right now. I the sensitivity is on an all-time high. By the time it hits June, July, it's going to be higher than anyone has ever experienced. Oof. And so it's important that people realize that during this time, um, they're going to be met with all the places inside of them where they haven't shown up for love and really be gentle. Like I, you know, we were talking earlier about how how like when you're refining yourself, like a lot of times when people think about making change, they, they hammer themselves, they get mad at themselves, they beat up on themselves. The act of beating up on yourself in order to create change isn't creating change at all, right? It's creating more subjugation and more pain, more fear, more abuse, and also 
more trauma. And what we have to understand is the reason why trauma stays the way it is, is because we keep going to the graveyard and resurrecting those zombies and bringing them with us. And so the key is if you're going to allow your mind to go anywhere, if you're going to go into any thought, always go into the thought of, of kindness and gentleness. Um, be, be gentle with yourself at these times. Um, be playful with yourself at these times. You know, like I was telling my housekeeper the other day, I was like, let's throw on some Selena and let's start dancing, mm-hmm. right? Because we have, to, we, ha- we have to remember that we can't take life too seriously. If we take life too seriously, we've lost, right? And we have to, we have to really kind of lighten up, loosen up, shake it out a little bit, you know? And, and this is what I say to people. So as we're moving through this whole Venus cycle, and when we look at it shamanically, I do these things on people sign up on my newsletter. I do these things called shamanic forecasts, where I give them like rituals and things to do to bring in money, this and that, and what's going on, what's happening energetically. Right now is the time of sensitivity. So it's a time for you to nurture yourself, take baths, go uh, walk barefoot in nature, call your friends up for a picnic, um, write a letter to yourself about how amazing you are. Take some time for self-acknowledgement, like all the things that you, you, you've accomplished, all the challenges you've overcome all the the beautiful things that you have done so far how much people how much do people actually take time to think about those things they're so thinking about the future the future the future the future and what they need and what they have blah 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 blah, blah, blah. they're not really thinking about where they come and how they've overcome and use those energies as a carriage a beautiful orchestrated carriage of sound and energy that's coming from those experiences that you've had and utilize that to carry you through the next stage of your life so that's what i would like to say to people that's my dog uh, your, uh, dog your dog is, is you so have the most elderly oh dog yeah. <laughs> it's like ready for a party with royalty i love it um that message was so good okay Everyone's saying thank you, shaman. Um, so let's ask this this last question, which this is, is Cleopatra. Um, bring someone up. I, I was going to ask Cleo. that question. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have files ready. Right. You want to? But I don't know if we have time to have a whole other file. Um, that's a good question, though. Yeah, yeah. That's this is and it's from our super patron Igor. So uh, the question is, uh, hi, babe. Can the energy have you, have of you met a, my niece? No. Hi. hi. Nice to meet you. Are right, you ready for the question? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, can the energy of a place or a house help you balance yourself out? And it's a hard question to read. Do you, do you understand it, Brian? Can the energy of a place or a house can help balancing you out and why you can't bring the balance part of you when you come back? I don't fully understand. Yeah, that. I guess you, right, you So right, can yeah. the energy of the place or a house help you balance yourself? And why can't you bring the, the balance back when you come back? So, like, can I change who I am by going to a place and then lose it when I leave that place? Well, and before you answer, this is going to be in the extended version of this episode. So if you want to hear the answer yeah, to this question, it's going to be, yeah, this is, this is how we do it. Um, <laughs> Uh, go to RGP, go to patreon.com slash RGP development. You can sign up to become a patron of the podcast. We love our patrons so much. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. So go over to patreon.com slash RGP development to hear the answer to this question. Want more Biotypical? Well, good news. There's a longer version of this episode available at patreon.com slash RGP development. There, you'll also be able to find ways to get on the podcast yourself, ask questions, as well as watch a live taping remotely. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and subscribing. Remember to rate this five stars wherever you're listening to it, and we'll see you next time.